Hello everybody, and welcome back. It's been a long time. I appreciate y'all being patient. Well, we're back, officially, with Season 2 of Sorcery and Superstition. And I know you guys are as excited as I am. So, let's get into who's our first author back. Actually, why don't first we get into a little bit of what's been happening during the summer break. I got a new book. And I'll get more into that later as we get further into progression that I'll be working on. And I'm excited about it. And I'll be excited to tell you guys about it when it comes out. So look forward to that. Other than that, I haven't really been doing a lot. I've got into art quite a bit, and I painted a lot during the summer, and I spent time with my son and my partner. And now I am ready to be back with you guys. And so, our first story this week will take us right back into that classic fantasy that I love so much, and I hope you do too. Mark McDaniel is this week's author, and he brings us the story Two Priests in a Pickle. And it's quite a story. It brings us a little murder mystery, a little classic fantasy with races that you're familiar with, like gnomes. So I think you guys all enjoy this. I know that I really did. Now... I have to tell you, this one is a long one. In fact, it's so long that it's going to actually be the first three episodes of season two. What? I know, right? I haven't done that before, but I'm excited about it. I like the story, and I want to share it with you all. And I actually have another of Mark McDaniel's stories that's really long that I'd like to share with you as well. I don't think we'll do it for the next successive ones after this. We'll give you a little break, throw in some short stories, because, you know, that's what this is. It's a short story podcast. So, well, you know, enough of me rambling on. Let's get into me rambling on, you know, about somebody else's stuff in a maybe story format. <laughs> Let's get into Two Priests in a Pickle. The day started like every other day except for the blood-curdling scream from outside Vargo's bedroom window. The shriek pierced the air as the sun slipped just into the sky, and the gnome bolted up in his small bed. He wore his blue and white striped light gown, for it was hot this summer, in the gnomish archipelagos to the south. He slipped out of bed and doffed his pajamas, certain that whatever awoke him at this hour would certainly call for a change in attire. The wizard donned his blue robes and matching conical hat. He slipped on his bearskin slippers, and grabbed his staff. It was a black metal staff with a large cerulean sapphire at its zenith. Still rubbing the sleep from his eyes and scratching at his brown goatee, Vargo made his way out of his home to the street. The street was made of expertly laid cobblestone. Many houses lined the road, some of which were normal stone huts with hay roofs. Others were more fantastical, huts that hovered a dozen feet in the air with stairs of clouds to the front door or large towers made of various colored stones. His eyes were instantly upon a grisly scene on the otherwise empty street. Two gnomes in white robes, with red embroidery, stood near a lifeless human body. The gnome on the left was a female, with straight blonde hair that came down to her shoulders. A silver circlet sat upon her head, and somehow complimented her copper-toned skin. The gnome on the right was also female, but she had fiery red hair that curled like a squirrel's tail at the ends. She wore a golden medallion upon her neck on a gold chain with a symbol of Archangel Zaraccio carved into its face. Her clerical robe seemed to hug her body more, showing off more of her curves. 
Fargo noted that this seemed peculiar, especially for a priestess of Archangel Zoraccio. But who was he to judge this woman's dress? What happened? Vargo asked the two women as he approached. Oh, Master Wizard, it was horrible. This man attacked us in the street. He nearly killed us. The blonde gnome cried, nearly falling over. The other woman caught her to keep her steady. And you killed him? Vargo asked with a cocked eyebrow as he bent to inspect the corpse. The man's throat had been cut, and deeply too. Strangely, though, there was no blood pool beneath the man's body, as would be expected of such a wound. The man was a drunkard. He stumbled as he came after us, making lewd remarks all the while. Had he not stumbled, giving us the time we needed to gain our bearings, my partner would not have had time to draw her dagger and stop the man. The blonde gnome answered. Indeed. And you two are? Vargo asked of the two women. The lack of blood on the ground didn't give their story much credence. But these were two priestesses of the Archangel Zoraccio, patron saint of the gnomes. Perhaps some magic was involved here, Vargo thought to himself. Oh, forgive me, Master Wizard. I am High Priestess Guinevere, and this is my wife, Veronica. The blonde gnome said, motioning to the redhead as she introduced the both of them. I am Master Vargo Vandervas, Master in the Order of the Magi, Vargo said, with a slight bow and a tip of his wide-brimmed conical hat. Well met although I should say I'd rather it be under better circumstances, Guinevere said with a slight chuckle. Veronica pulled her tight to her body, and Guinevere seemed to find comfort in that embrace. Does Veronica not speak? The wizard asked, noting that she seemed unusually quiet. I speak. I'm just so shaken up from the incident, the woman answered her voice washing over Vargo like the sweetest song ever sung by the most beautiful bird in existence. May I have the weapon? Vargo asked as he held out his hand. Weapon? Guinevere repeated. The dagger, dear, Veronica said before pulling out a silver dagger with inlaid rubies upon the handle from the folds of her white robe. She held out her hand as she cradled Guinevere with her left arm. Vargo took the dagger and inspected it. The blade did appear to have blood on it, but it seemed much too old to have caused the wound to the corpse on the road. Vargo furred his brow. Things just weren't adding up. And you didn't cast any spells during this confrontation? Vargo asked the pair of gnomes. No, Master Wizard. We hadn't the time. Everything happened so fast. High Priestess Guinevere said, and Veronica pet her hair to calm the woman down. Indeed. Where can I find you should I have further questions? Vargo asked. We stay at the Cathedral of Knowledge on the western edge of the island. Do you know it? Guinevere asked, detaching herself from the embrace of her wife. I do, although I have not darkened the threshold of a house of worship in many years, Vargo replied. I'll see what I can find out about our lifeless friend here, and I will contact you if I have further questions. The two priestesses walked away. Veronica taking Guinevere's hand as they strolled away. Vargo narrowed his gaze at them for a brief moment, then turned back to the corpse at his feet. Something isn't adding up here. If this man was attacked without magic, with a blade, then there should be blood present here, Vargo thought to himself as he stroked his goatee. The man appeared to be human, not a common sight here in the Gnomish Isles, 
or most humans detested gnomes for a reason that has never really been understood by gnomes. He seemed about 40 years old if Fargo had to guess his age. He wore what used to be a nice tunic and trousers of cloth, but they were now dirty and worn to almost rags. Leaning to one knee, Fargo inspected the fatal wound more closely. The wound was deeper than he initially thought, cutting almost through to the spinal cord. Danamihi visus magicus, Vargo muttered as he closed his eyes and tapped into the magic within his staff. The sapphire upon the staff began to glow, casting the area in a slight azure light. As he opened his eyes, the gnome's eyes gave off a white light. He searched the area for any traces of magic, but to his surprise, there was nothing to be found on the body or the surrounding area. What is going on here? Vargo wondered to himself aloud. Was this man even human? The wizard thought to himself. Before he could inspect the body further, he heard marching from down the street, plate boots pounding upon the cobblestone road. The wizard could see at least half a dozen sentinels making their way towards him, their violet plate mail armor shining in the morning light, while their crimson capes blew behind them in the breeze. The sentinels, mage knights and enforcers of magical law, stopped several paces away from the body. We received word of a murder here, one of the gnomes with a bushy black beard that looked almost blue. Indeed, although I wasn't aware that the sentinels had been called, Vargo replied. Master Vargo Vandervoss, of the Order of the Magi, at your service. Captain Kilchak, well met, Vargo. We were called for about half an hour ago by an anonymous letter dropped on the doorstep of our barracks. We reported the note to our superiors, then were dispatched to investigate this supposed body. Looks like our informant was right, Kilichak said as he regarded the corpse. Indeed, I came upon the scene shortly after it happened. I came upon High Priestess Guinevere and her wife Veronica. They claimed to have killed the man in self-defense, Vargo informed the man. The wizard kept some details to himself, since this whole situation made him uneasy. He slipped the silver dagger inside a pocket of his robes when the captain looked away, hoping to examine it more later. You let them walk away? After I questioned them, of course. They told me they would be at the Cathedral of Knowledge if I needed to speak with them further. If you would like to question them, I recommend looking for them there. The captain snapped his fingers and the contingent of gnomes began combing the area. Some knelt before the corpse and muttered similar spells to those Vargo cast only moments before, likely looking for any traces of spells in the area. No magic here, one of the gnomes reported to Captain Kilichak. Well, it looks like this is a mundane slaying, Master Wizard. Therefore, I believe jurisdiction falls to us, since you handle cases of a magical nature within the Order of the Magi, Captain Kilichak stated. I'm aware, Vargo responded. As a witness and first responder, if you require anything from me, feel free to call upon me. My home is right there, Vargo said as he pointed to his stone hut to his right. I also sometimes substitute teach at Snaggletooth Wizardry University. Thanks for your assistance. We will call upon you if we need you, Captain Kilichak said before turning to his men and assisting with the efforts to gather as much information as possible. Vargo turned and walked to his hut. He shut the door before pulling the silver dagger from his robes. He knew that he technically didn't have any authority on this case. However, several things just didn't add up. The lack of blood and magic at the scene, 
combined with the apparent forewarning of the sentinels, caused Vargo to have serious doubts about the truth of the story told to him by the priestesses. I will have to be careful and solve this mystery quickly, lest I get in trouble for overstepping my authority, Vargo said to himself. The wizard took the silver dagger over to a round wooden table and laid it down. He then sat on a small stool with a red velvet cushion. He recast the spell from earlier and peered over the weapon with glowing white eyes. What he saw both shocked and revolted him. The blade gave off a purple aura, which meant that the dagger was cursed. Vargo nearly stumbled out of his stool as he stood to back away from the object. Cursed objects were incredibly powerful and unpredictable. Sometimes just picking up the object can cause a person to fall victim to its power. Almost all cursed objects were irredeemably evil. Maledicite terre deprahindir, Vargo whispered as he waved his hand towards his own body. He sensed no tainted magic within himself, and was relieved to know for sure that he was not cursed by the wretched dagger. Moving swiftly, the wizard began pulling out various objects from a wicker chest in his living room, which was filled with bookcases along almost every wall. A stone fireplace sat across from the wicker chest, and an oak rocking chair sat to his right. The gnome pulled out several objects, including a white feather, a melon-sized violet pearl, and a crown of ivory. Fargo wasn't looking for any of these objects, though. He furrowed his brow as he struggled to find the object he desired. But eventually he found it, tucked under a wool blanket within the chest. He pulled out a 2 by 2 by 2 lead box with bronze hinges on the lid. The entire object looked to be like a small sarcophagus, and a small granite dragon was affixed to the top. The object was very heavy, and Vargo struggled to remove the cumbersome box from the wicker chest. With great effort, he managed to place it on the table and open the lid. The inside had a black velvet lining. Third Circus, Vargo said, as he pointed his staff at the dagger. The object floated up off the table, and he maneuvered the weapon into the lead box carefully. He then closed the lid and breathed a small sigh of relief. The lead box would keep the fiendish magic of the cursed object contained, and would also block any attempts to locate it via magical means. Vargo made a mental note to turn the dagger into his superiors once his investigation was complete. Magia Sencino, Vargo said, before pointing his staff at the lead box. The sapphire at its tip pulsed an azure light, building into a great crescendo of light and sound. In a flash of light, a symbol appeared on the box, where the lid met the body of the object. It resembled three blue rings with a large V in the center, the lines of which connected to the outermost ring. The V appeared to be made of two lightning bolts touching each other. That should keep out any would-be thieves, Vargo said to himself with a smile as he gazed upon his personal rune. Runes among wizards were as unique as snowflakes. No one wizard had the same rune. Runes could be used for various purposes, including making one's property, or in this case, magically sealing a door or chest. The wizard made himself a cup of hot tea and ate two blueberry muffins for a quick breakfast while he pondered what his next move should be. Halfway through his second muffin, he concluded that he should take a stroll to the local morgue located at the Temple of Reaper, only a few miles south of his home. He knew one of the priests there who might give him more insight into the corpse in the road without raising too many eyebrows. He walked the few miles along the cobblestone road and was grateful that it was a nice sunny day outside. The breeze blew a cool wind off the sea surrounding the island and the smell of ripe bananas from the trees along the road was a delight. As he strolled, he heard a soft hoot just before an owl perched upon his left shoulder. 
The owl had a marbled white and brown belly, with mostly brown wings. Her eyes were yellow and belied an unnatural intelligence. That was because this was no mere owl, but Vargo's familiar. All right, I think that is a good stopping point for today. This will get us right into the adventure again tomorrow. And uh, without losing your place, it's a little lull in the action, a place where we can move on, I think. Or at least I hope. So, um, I hope you guys have enjoyed what we have so far, and I hope you're excited and ready for next week and the next part of Two Priests in a Pickle. Until next time, have a fantastical day.